Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I. <laughs> Welcome to Kitty's Birthday House. My brother's name is Ozzy and I'm Die Boy. Thank you for missing from Mommy's podcast. Hello and welcome to Kiwi Birth Tales. I am your host Jordan and I am a mum of two. I have Jai who's three and a half and Ali who is 20 months old. We live in Papamoa in New Zealand and I have a business baby as well. The business baby is your birth project and your birth project is an online space for creating your best birth. So it's a hypnobirthing course that you can do online. It's designed around creating your best birth. It's inclusive of all birth types. And if you are pregnant, then you need your birth project in your life. It is also an online store, which is pregnancy, birth and postpartum related products that I've either used or I've had Kiwi Birth Tales or your birth project mums recommend. We ship all over the world and if you order before 1pm New Zealand time we try to ship same day as well unless something is on pre-order so make sure you check that out. What a week. I um, have Ali who's my 20 month old who is going through some real um, developmental challenges and he is a biter you guys. I just remember when Jai was at like the same age and there were biters in his daycare class and he'd often come home with bites and I'd feel like really sad for him and um, I just feel like how does that even happen like just stop your kid from biting I didn't really get it (laughs) now that I've got a biter I've literally tried everything and I just I really feel for other parents in the same sort of situation because like no matter what we do with Ali he just bites and um he usually does it out of frustration and yeah anyway so we're going through these challenges he's not communicating like talking yet um he'll say a few words but he definitely can't like talk um in sentences or really communicate how he's feeling so most of the time it's out of frustration but sometimes it's out of love as well like he'll be giving you a big cuddle and then he just sinks his vampire teeth into your shoulder and it really fucking hurts So we are going through that challenge at the moment um, and trying to figure out what's going to work best for him. We've had lots of really great tips through the Kiwi Birth Tales Instagram, people sharing their experiences with similar um, things at a similar age and what's worked for them. So we've got some good tips that we might try, but yeah, just going through the parenting trenches on top of all of the winter sickness that we've got going on at the moment. And it's not even the first day of winter yet, but anyway... (laughs) We will survive. I feel like I say surviving, not thriving on here so many times, but that literally feels like the um, tagline for my life. Anyway, today I am speaking with Anna and Anna owns Mom Store and she is based in Thames. Um, She's got two beautiful children and she's got, yeah, two really different pregnancy, birth and postpartum experiences to share with us. I know you're going to enjoy her episode um, and I'm just grateful that she took time out of her very busy day to spend with us and share her journey. Once again, I am so grateful to you for coming and putting on this podcast and downloading and listening. I just know that there's so many different things that you can be choosing to do in your day. So 
being here with me. I am super grateful. I hope you love this episode. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to email me, jordan at kiwibirthtales.com. That's Jordan with a Y. Or you can find me on Instagram at kiwibirthtales or at your birth project. Okay, let's jump into the episode. Hi, Anna. Thanks so much for joining me on the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Jordan. No worries. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, so um, my name is Anna Barlow. I am 29. I live in the small town of Thames at the base of the Coromandel. Um, I live here with my husband, Richard, who dragged me here, Um, and (laughs) our two children, Hugo, who is nearly three, and Lucia, who is nine months old. Uh, Here in Thames, my husband runs a physio business, and I run my online store, Mom Store. Yeah, amazing. And you're a very busy lady. I always <laughs> follow your Instagram. I'm like, hey, we could totally be friends. We're basically yeah. living the same life. <laughs> we are. It is oh, very so hectic. Good. Yeah, I do a couple of other jobs as well, but um, that is my main one. But it, it definitely feels hectic, especially when you throw kids in the yeah. mix, as you know. For sure, for sure. Awesome. <laughs> and we're going to talk about all things mum life today, including your pregnancies, your births and your postpartum journey. But why don't we start with what the journey was like to pregnancy for you and Richard? Yeah, so um, we kind of, I guess, made like a snap decision to start trying for a baby. Um, (laughs) We we'd thought about it for a while. We'd been married for a couple of years and um, my husband's mum had just become unwell with the ovarian cancer. And so for us, it was kind of, I guess, like the kick we needed to think about starting a family Mm -hmm. so that our parents would be around to spend time with our children. Um, so we literally had a conversation uh, that night. We started trying and we fell pregnant straight away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It happened very quickly, which we're very grateful for. I, um, I had been tracking my periods using the Flow app. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of saying I was in that week where I could be ovulating, um, which he had no idea about. Um, And I honestly thought it would take us a while. I'd had um, ovarian cysts removed a couple of times um, in my early 20s. So I was so certain it would take us a really long time. And yeah, it happened first go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, amazing. And were you shocked when you saw like the positive pregnancy test? Yeah, well, so I actually did um, a pregnancy test at like a couple of days before my period was due because we were going away for the weekend and I wanted to be able to have a couple of glasses of wine and it was negative. And so I was like, okay, obviously not pregnant this time around. We went away, you know, drunk, drunk lots of wine, ate lots of (laughs) cheese and meat and all the things you're not supposed to eat when you're pregnant. And then on the Monday I went to work and I was really unwell with a sinus infection um, and I was working at the GP clinic at the time and I saw my doctor and uh, my period still hadn't come and she was about to put me on antibiotics. So I said to her, oh, there's a chance that I might be pregnant. My period mm. hasn't come. So she did a blood test. Um, and so she was actually the first person to find out I was pregnant and sent me a text that afternoon <laughs> to tell me. Which, so it was kind of like, a, I guess, an unconventional way to find out that I was pregnant. Um, and then I yeah. sat and stewed on that for like hours before <laughs> Rich got home thinking, oh my God, I told him that the pregnancy test was negative last week and, and here it is being positive. <laughs> but he was actually very excited, yeah. which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And how were you feeling in your first trimester? Did you have many pregnancy symptoms? Yeah. So nausea was a big one for me. I always just kind of felt that like hungover, CD. Um, Mm. But in my first trimester, I never actually vomited. 
Um, I started taking um, anti-nausea tablets straight away, like as soon as I started mm-hmm. feeling seedy because I was working full-time with sick people. And so I didn't want to be feeling really unwell. Mm-hmm. But actually, once I hit the second trimester, I started vomiting, which is really out of, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I would just kind of, like, get up, vomit once, and then I would actually be sweet for the rest of the day. So that was almost better than feeling nauseous all the time. And did you go with a midwife for your care or what did that look like for you? Yeah. So I guess working in health, I knew that midwives were like in really high demand and quite hard to Mm. get. So I did actually jump on the Find Your Midwife website before I'd even told my husband I was pregnant um, (laughs) and started reaching out to a few of them straight away. Um, I always knew that I didn't want to birth in Thames um, just because we don't have that tertiary care here and I guess being a nurse I I knew all of the things that could go wrong not that I thought that they would Mm. but I um, was aiming for a like birthing center birth but I just preferred to be near a hospital um, Mm -hmm. should we need it so yeah I did reach out to a Hamilton based midwife which is our closest city um, and was very lucky to get one straight away. And was she obviously fine with taking you as a client, knowing that you didn't actually live like in Hamilton? Yeah, so we had a big discussion around that, and um, she did offer for me to do my prenatal care here in Thames, but I kind of wanted to mm-hmm. build that relationship with her before the birth. Mm-hmm. So we did yeah. commute to Hamilton for our appointments, um, <laughs> and then she obviously did the birth with us and we arranged from the get-go a postnatal midwife back here in terms who was going to take over once we had the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And what about testing? Did you choose to do like all of the testing that's offered in New Zealand and did you want to know the sex of your baby? Yeah. So we did, um, I did opt for a dating scan quite early on again, just to like ease the nerves, even though I was pretty sure on my Mm. dates. Um, So we did have that scan at eight weeks and then, did the um, new call scan at 13 weeks and we did want to find out the sex of the baby. I'm like type A and really needed to know (laughs) what we were going to be having so we could plan. Um, So at 20 weeks we did find out, but for a long time we kept it to ourselves and told everyone that we didn't know. Um, So that was quite nice to have to ourselves for a bit. Um, But then we did, we did cave and tell all our friends and family that we were having a boy, which (laughs) was nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, cool. And I know that you, um, well, I know that you're a nurse. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> did, did you have any like preconceptions about birth and like how you wanted your birth to go or where you wanted to birth or anything like that? Um, I know you said maybe a birth center, but like, did you know sort of what you wanted your birth to look like? Yeah. I mean, I guess yes and no. I, for me, I kind of just expected it to almost go badly or knew that that was there was a really high chance of like C-section or intervention and things like that. Um, I was really hoping for a birth center birth um, and just knew that being in Hamilton, the hospital was right there if we needed it and that if we ended up mm. there, that that would be totally fine. Um, we didn't really, like, I didn't really do any work around manifesting or um, thinking too much about an ideal birth or birth planning. Mm. Um, we're just super open-minded to, I guess, however it played out being fine. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And what about antenatal? Did, they, did you do like any antenatal courses or any birth education um, in your pregnancy? 
Yeah, so we'd signed up to do a local antenatal course, um, but then lockdown hit. Um, so I was pregnant through that first lockdown in March 2020. And somehow we actually dropped off their like contact list and didn't get put in with the virtual group. Um, and I didn't realize mm. that until it was kind of too late, which was a shame because we really wanted to get that like friendship group yeah. and make those connections being in a small town. Um, but we did buy Carmen's hatched antenatal online course, which was really cool. We had heaps of time during lockdown to kind of go through that. And I guess for me, a lot of it was stuff I already knew, but it was cool to talk through that with Rich so that he was kind of aware, Mm. I guess, of all those things that could go wrong or ways that he could support me through birth as well, which was, yeah, it was epic. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Oh, and what about in the lead up to your birth? Were you doing anything in preparation? Like, I know there's a million different things that you can try, but were you doing like the raspberry tea and the dates and the antenatal express thing or what did that look like for you? Yeah, so we definitely dabbled in a few of them. Um, (laughs) I did discuss with my midwife at the time whether antenatal express was worth doing and she did say no, which in hindsight I'm a little bit gutted about and would have quite liked to have done that. Um, in, mm. that, in that pregnancy um, but I did buy all the dates and make like smoothies and um, mm-hmm. one I was taking this tonic which sounds super woo-woo but it's um, it's called 642 and it's like a herbal tonic with quite concentrated amounts of like licorice and raspberry leaf and a few other things and my midwife had recommended it to me and she said that like anecdotally her clients who had taken it had really good like good labors and good births with it and that Mm. um it just kind of helped with uterus tone and things like that so I started taking that I think at about 34 35 weeks and then you kind of ramp up the dose towards the end of your pregnancy um it didn't taste the best but I don't know it it may have worked I don't know, but I, I took it mm. in both pregnancies and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. And how were you feeling towards the end of your pregnancy? Like how had your pregnancy progressed and did you have many symptoms like towards the end of your third trimester? Talk us through, yeah, the end of your pregnancy. Yeah, so I suffered a little bit with um, that pelvic discomfort uh, mm. which I think so many of us do. And like it was at the point where getting out of bed wasn't super comfortable. Um, but I did find walking and trying to keep myself as active as possible was really good. Um, so I would just get out and walk as much as I could within my comfort levels. Um, but apart from that, the end of pregnancy was fine for me. I didn't find that I had any other symptoms that were too awful. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. And talk us through, yeah, I guess the final couple of days and did you go into spontaneous labor? What did that all look like? And then into your labor and birth story. Yeah. So um, near the end of my pregnancy, I was actually getting weekly like pregnancy massages from a local lady here. And Mm -hmm. um, it got to the point where I was kind of 38, 39 weeks. And for a long time, I guess, I think they avoid working on your feet because of trigger points and then I think I hit the 39 week mark and had a massage with her and she was like oh well you know you're close now so I'll kind of just 
do everything. Um, and so then I, I left that massage. We'd booked one for the following week and I was like, oh, well, I'll either have a massage or I'll have a baby. Like win-win. <laughs> um, and so I didn't end up making it to that appointment. The, the next day I was due to have an appointment with my midwife in Hamilton. Um, so we'd kind of like fluffed around getting all ready for that. It was actually my mother-in-law's birthday. And I remember texting her that morning. I was 39 weeks and one day and I texted her and said, Oh, you know, I'm doing, doing my best to get you a grandson for your birthday, but it's not looking <laughs> likely. And, um, we left at lunchtime that day to go over to Hamilton for the midwife appointment. And we were partway there and I kind of stopped and was like, I think I might be having contractions. And um, Rich was kind of like, are you, sh- are you sure? And so we like got a got an app downloaded on the drive over. It was a storm. So we'd like had to be redirected this long way around oh, to Hamilton because no. there'd been a car crash. And so we were just like, oh, God, we don't really want to be driving to Hamilton right now. But, yeah, I realized I was having contractions. And I was like, oh, I'm really not sure if this is it or not. So we went in and saw the midwife, uh, which was our backup midwife. And she was like, oh, yeah, I think you might be. Um, and then I had a few while I was there and she goes, okay, yeah, I think you're definitely having contractions. She was like, I'm, I'm assuming you packed all your bags with you when you came over. And we were like, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> we had not planned for this at all. <laughs> so we're like in the storm stuck in Hamilton. She's like, I really wouldn't advise you guys driving back to Thames tonight. Um, there's a chance that, you know, you're going to go into more progressed labor. And so <laughs> we were like, oh God. So we're like, running around trying to um, find a motel to book for the night and had to ring my in-laws and get them to bring over all of our bags, which were only half packed. Um, and which of course ruined all of my mother-in-law's birthday plans. So they're, they're bringing our stuff over to Hamilton. We're like randomly booking into this motel for the night. Um, so we got all set up there, which was nice. Kind of gave us a chance to relax. Um, I think I did get a little bit, overwhelmed with it all kind of Mm. happening and not being at home not being able to Mm. pack up all of that stuff you know like we forgot the speaker we forgot the diffuser Mm. kind of all those things that were going to make it like a really comfortable environment all kind of went by the wayside because I I couldn't pack them all up myself um Mm. so that was a that was a shame but it it all worked out okay um all of Mm. our things got brought over to us which was nice uh, I remember from there, I sent Rich out to get us burger fuel, um, as you do, you know, you need a good meal before you go into labor. <laughs> and I had a shower and at that point I lost my mucus plug. And I mm-hmm. think it was then that it really hit me that I was actually in labor and about to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, because until then I was just like, oh, these contractions will fizzle out, you know, like nothing's really going to happen. Um, so that did all kind of ramp up from there. The um, contractions started coming a lot faster, a lot, um, they lasted a lot longer and were getting quite painful. Um, so we did get our Swiss ball brought over, which was a godsend. And I did have a TENS machine packed, which I absolutely loved. So I kind of got the TENS machine on after my shower, was bouncing on the Swiss ball. And I remember my midwife saying, uh, once they get to, once they have like an hour or two of really consistent contractions to give her a buzz. 
Um, so it was about 10 p.m. I think, and I said to, to Rich, I was like, okay, these are these are getting to the point where they're quite unbearable. Um, they're lasting over a minute, and they're quite close together. So mm. she, uh, he gave her a ring, and she was like, okay, I'll come and check you at the motel. And just after we hung up with her, uh, I felt that pop, and I was like, oh, okay, I think my waters have mm. broken. And, and I remember her saying to me, you know, when your waters break, you need to check them to see if there's any like blood or meconium or anything mm. like that. So I went to the bathroom and sure enough, they were like what she described as pea soup. <laughs> so like thick <laughs> green meconium, which considering yeah. my gestation, I was, yeah, 39 and one. She was like, oh, that's mm. not really what we'd expect your meconium to look like at that point. Um, so she hadn't even made it to us at that point, and she was like, oh, I'm really sorry, but you have to go to the hospital. And I think for me at that point, I was like, oh, no, I was I was really gutted. Like I said to you, I, I didn't really have my hopes that set on a birthing unit birth, but at that point I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no. I was really worried about what could be wrong with the baby, and yeah. I guess that kind of whether there would be like a cascade of interventions from there once mm-hmm. I got to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So I had a bit of a freak-out moment at that point. And I think uh, there was just kind of like this urgency about getting to the hospital, which panicked both of us a little bit. Um, But luckily we weren't far. So we um, checked out of our motel. Honestly, they must have thought we were up to something dodgy. Checking in at 4 p.m. and checking out out before midnight. They must have thought that we were up to God knows what. Um, So we made our way to the hospital just before midnight. Um, And then once I got there, of course, had to be hooked up to all of the monitoring um, which at the time I didn't realize was going to be such pain, but it really mm-hmm. does restrict your movement in labor, like being hooked up to those monitors and they were quite temperamental. So I really couldn't move around too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily everything was fine with the baby at that point And throughout the whole labor, he was totally fine. Um, so yeah, I just kind of labored away for a few hours, still had my tens machine on at that point. Uh, and then it got to the point where I looked at her and I was like, I need something more. Um, and we had Mm. kind of hadn't really talked about whether I would use like an epidural or any drugs or anything like that. Um, but she did offer me sterile water injections. Do you know if you've heard much about this? Yeah. Yeah. They were amazing. She was like, okay, it's going to hurt like a mother when they go in. She was like, it feels like bee stings and they put them (laughs) into four points in your lower back. So she was like, you will have to take your TENS machine off because they pretty much sit right where the pads of the TENS machine go. So mm-hmm. got those injections put in. Um, and honestly, it was just like night and day, the difference. So in between contractions, I was completely pain-free, whereas I had had quite a bit of back pain. Um, and I just mm-hmm. found the contractions so much more manageable. Uh, I had been using the gas a little bit, but it just made me feel way too spacey. And I'd started getting really nauseous. Um, and then once I hit transition, I was vomiting, which I totally thought was because of the gas. But in hindsight, mm. I think it was probably more just that I was hitting transition and didn't really realize <laughs> that you kind of vomit yeah. when you hit transition. That's quite normal. But that made me yeah. feel like, oh, God, I should probably stop probably should stop using the gas now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, once I had those injections, I just everything was just like so much easier to deal with. Were they super painful? Do you remember? Like, were they really? Yeah, really <laughs> yeah. It was like, but it was like 
probably 10 seconds of literally like a bee sting, like really stingy because I think it blocks mm. your nerve endings or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So super stingy to go in and then just like basically numb around my back area from there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So they are amazing. I know that a few midwives mm. don't do them or don't believe that they work, um, but yeah, I totally yeah. rate them. Yeah, so from there, I was pushing for about two hours. It got to the point where I was like, oh, I feel like I need to push. And she was like, yeah, I think you can. Um, when I got to the hospital at first, I was about six or seven centimeters. So then after oh, a few wow. hours, um, she she checked me again and was like, yeah, you can definitely start pushing. So yeah, push for two hours. And it got to the point where I was exhausted and I would like push him down and then he would like bounce back up pretty much as soon as I stopped bearing down. So really wasn't making any progress with that pushing at all. Um, she then offered me an episiotomy and I was like, look, just <laughs> I was at that point where I was like, just do whatever you need to do mm. to yeah. get, the, to get the baby out at this point. I was so tired. Um, so she called in help to draw up the anesthetic. Um, to give the episiotomy and this very interesting charge charge midwife came in who was so rude and luckily at the mm. time it didn't bother me too much but in hindsight I'm like oh my god you were so rude she um mm. said to my midwife oh why don't you just cut her she's not going to feel it <laughs> and I was right there I, I could hear it Rich and I looked at each other we're like what what do you mean and mm. she was like um my midwife was great she was like I actually just called you in here to draw it up I didn't ask for your opinion so luckily they anesthetized me before making mm. the cut um but basically as soon as she cut me it was like two or three pushes and he was out uh and as soon as he came out we realized that he had his fist on his forehead so not just a hand, but like a full fist on his forehead, which was yeah. what was stopping him from coming down and out well. So yeah, basically yeah. as soon as she did that cut, he was, he just like flew out. Yeah. yeah. So that was very exciting. Yeah. Rich, Rich actually was very keen and caught him. Um, <laughs> so that, that was really special for him to be able to catch him. And then he came straight up onto my chest. He um, was totally fine. So he, he didn't have a cord around his neck or anything, which... Um, after he was born, my midwife was like, oh, I was fully expecting him to be, you know, distressed or have a cord around his neck yeah. just with the meconium. Um, mm. But we still, like, to this day have no idea why why there was mech in my waters. It was really random. Yeah, that is random, especially at, like, 39 weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. She was like, I'd expect this for, like, a 41, 42-week yeah, baby. Yeah. Or, yeah, or if he was, like, had his caught around his neck or distressed or something but no he just mm. was causing mischief from the get-go <laughs> yeah yeah amazing and so did you have him like straight up on your chest and yeah what sort of happened from there yeah so he came straight up onto my chest um and was still pooping at that point so I was like covered <laughs> in meconium <laughs> yeah. so much fun um and then pretty much she just like went straight into getting my feet up uh stitching me up uh, I think it was like 40 minutes and the hospital staff were coming and knocking on the door and, oh, you're still here? Like they were trying to kick me out <laughs> from the get-go. It was crazy. Um, I think it was a very busy time, very busy time for them having babies. Um, so that was mm. just lovely having people walking on me while my feet were in stirrups. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, got all stitched up and then she helped me to get him latched, which I did actually have a lot of trouble with from the get-go. 
So it took mm. me probably 45 minutes to get him latched properly um, yeah. and then gave him like one good breastfeed. And then he was just like a super sleepy baby. So that entire first day he was born at like 4am um, and then that entire first day he basically just slept. So we were mm. having to rouse him to feed him um, and they were rousing him to do the meconium obs. But yeah, we that was, I guess, the start of quite a few breastfeeding troubles for us. Um, mm. It was really hard to get him to latch and feed properly in that first day from that year. Yeah, yeah. And do you remember, like, any help? Like, were the midwives in the hospital helpful? Did anything um, make a difference in terms of, like, trying to latch him? Or did he just slowly get hungrier and less sleepy over time? Yeah, so we um, – it was only a couple of hours after we had him that we went on to the birthing unit, um, and they were great. They did actually help me quite a lot to get him latched, and I think his initial yeah. latch was good, and then they would kind of leave, and I think he would get sleepy and lazy, and I think his latch would kind of slip once they'd left. So I guess for yeah. me, I thought everything was fine, but almost instantly he was, like, lip-sticking my nipple, so getting that really like male-shaped nipple from the get-go. And I was like, oh, do you think maybe he's got a tongue or a lip tie? Um, and they were like, oh, no, like nothing looks like that immediately. Um, and it took coming home and seeing my postnatal midwife and she checked him and she was like, oh, no, yeah, he's got both tongue and lip tie. So yeah. um, I think he was five days old when we got those lasered, like water lasered. Um, yeah. And I can't say it was like the dream quick fix that I thought it was going to be. Uh, we did actually mm. battle for That's months nice. with his um, with his latch and with his feeding. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can. Um, I know there'll be heaps of people who sort of relate to that breastfeeding um, <laughs> struggle, <laughs> including myself. But before yeah. we sort of dive deeper into that, do you want to talk us through going home? Um, and yeah, I guess adjusting to those first few days and weeks at home with your newborn and mum life. And it's just all pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a huge adjustment for us, you know, like first baby. Um, it was very mm. exciting though, coming home, coming home with our baby. I guess it was weird for me because when we left home, we totally didn't think we were having a baby. So yes. coming home yeah. was kind of surreal. Like we didn't really have like the bed set up or anything like that. So we were kind of like fumbling, trying to get all this stuff set up and mm -hmm. it like sunk in that we were actually, we actually had a baby. Um, yeah. But yeah, we spent a couple of nights in the birthing unit in Hamilton before we came home, which was really nice to, I guess, get used to having a baby. Um, mm. And yeah, I think we adjusted pretty well. I think that first night home was like hell he had been sleeping and like only waking every three to four hours in the birthing unit. And we got him home and he was waking like hourly. Um, mm -hmm. And my milk, milk still hadn't come in. It was quite slow to come in um, again with all of those breastfeeding issues and him not latching properly. So we got home and we were like, what the heck is this? Like, why did we not mm -hmm. get another night in the birthing unit so that we could have some help <laughs> with this? Um, but yeah, from, from there, we just, you just kind of carry on with life, right? And you just yeah, adjust yeah. to your new normal with a baby. You do indeed. <laughs> and did you notice any like 
baby blues or any like hormone shifts that made you feel a bit down? How were you feeling mentally in that first sort of couple of weeks? Yeah, I think um, I definitely hit the like day three, four, really teary stage. And it was even like mm. happy, happy things were making me like blubber. Mm. And then you'd look at your baby and know that they were never going to be that small again. And like, every yes. possible emotion just like hit me. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, so, yes, yeah. very, very teary. Um, but I'm like a crying person anyway. So that's not super <laughs> uncommon for me. Um, yeah. But luckily, initially, I think like it didn't progress to anything further than that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And how did you go with your breastfeeding journey? So I know that you had obviously some challenges initially. So what did that end up looking like um, for you guys? Yeah. So we, yeah, I think probably the entire breastfeeding journey with Hugo was really rough. Um, So I think only a few weeks after we got home with him, I had my first bout of mastitis um, because he was still latching so poorly. Um, I was using nipple shields, which at the time I didn't realize can be like a way that bacteria can be introduced easier than mm. if you weren't using them. Um, yeah. So I just thought, Oh wow, he's latching better with the nipple. She was like, what's the harm? Um, mm. And I think also because of using them, my supply was pretty average. And again, it wasn't something that I was super aware of initially. Um, so yeah, low supply, poor latch, mastitis from the get-go which I ended up having I think eight or nine times with him over the course of yeah over the course of like a year plus so yeah Mm. it was super rough and god I probably should have given up sooner than I did but I was so (laughs) determined and um, I did see a lactation consultant which was amazing and we worked on boosting my supply I went on to domperidone which was quite helpful and took um, the milk maker supplement which was also very oh, helpful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just made sure that we really sussed his latch, managed to wean the nipple shields eventually, which I think did help with reducing the mastitis. Um, although I did get a really bad bout when he was 10 weeks old and ended up having an abscess drained off my breast at that point. That was oh, no. probably the worst part of our breastfeeding journey. Um, but yeah, once, I think once he hit solids and that kind of pressure came off me to be his sole source of nutrition, uh, things definitely felt a bit easier at that point. I didn't have Mm. to be so, so aware of my supply and pumping and all of that kind of thing. So yeah, it did get a bit easier towards the end. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we obviously know that you've got little Lucia now. So yeah. did you always know that you wanted to have another baby? And how, like, what's the sort of age difference um, between Hugo and you falling pregnant? Yeah, so we definitely knew we wanted to have more than one child. I think um, I initially wanted three. My husband always wanted two. And after having two, I can safely say I'm done with two. Um, so <laughs> it was actually when Hugo, Hugo turned one, we were like, he was sweet. Like we, you know, he was sleeping beautifully. He was like this little angel baby. And we were like, yeah, mm-hmm. obviously we want more children. Um, so when he turned one, we started trying. And again, I wasn't doing anything super formal. I was just kind of using that flow app and being really aware of um, when I was ovulating. And obviously we were trying around that time. Um, and I think it was about four months in. I was like, okay, this is still not happening. 
Um, mm-hmm. I was still breastfeeding Hugo at that point, um, but I had had my period back for, I think, at least like six or seven months. So I didn't think that breastfeeding would be impacting on it too much. So mm-hmm. I kind of wasn't at the point where I was prepared to wean him just to get pregnant. Um, so I did end up getting the ovulation sticks in the end just to be like, okay, I'm not really doing anything super formal mm-hmm. here. I should probably check that the ovulation window that we're working on is actually correct. And I think my flow app was off by a few days, which was probably quite key in us conceiving Mm. um, because the first month that I used the ovulation sticks, we did fall pregnant. So yeah, yeah, I think we were just, I think we just didn't have our timing like quite right to conceive. Yeah. It is funny. eh? like, I think, when you have been tracking your cycles previously, if you fell pregnant really quickly, it can be like, Oh, that'll just happen again kind of thing. But your, your cycles can change so much through having a baby as well. I think, yeah, people um, sometimes don't realize that. So the ovulation sticks can be really helpful. Yeah. I found them super helpful. Um, So that was very cool. It was um, just a few days before Christmas that we found out that we were pregnant it was quite early on and I just had this feeling like that month that I was pregnant and it was I think I was only about three and a bit weeks so my period wasn't even due um but I decided to take a pregnancy test knowing that it was Christmas and that I would want to have Mm -hmm. something to drink if um if I wasn't pregnant and I did get a really faint positive straight away Mm -hmm. um so once again I contacted a midwife before I told Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Rich that I was pregnant um, mm. because I was so worried about finding one, especially knowing that I was mm. going to have a September due date, knowing that's like one of the busiest times of the year to have mm. a baby. I was like, oh no. Um, so unfortunately, our midwife had gone to work in a birthing center and wasn't taking on clients anymore. But I did find another midwife through a friend of mine. Um, again, Hamilton based and managed to lock her in, which was great. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And did you feel like similar about like your long term sort of thoughts about birth? Um, I know that you said you went with a Ham- Hamilton one again. So did you want to try the birth center this time or what did that look like for you? Yeah, I was so much more set on it this time, I think. Um, not that we had like, we were quite lucky to avoid a lot of intervention in the hospital, but. I really was keen to have a water birth, which was kind of on my birth preferences the first time around, but um, was kind of like, oh, well, you know, if I do, if I do, I do, if I don't, I don't. But um, having been quite literally strapped to a bed the first time, I was just so keen to try and do something different second time around and get, you know, be in the birthing unit, be in a space where we could have music and and kind of set the environment up to be a bit more comfortable for us. Yeah. 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 
Awesome. And before we get there, <laughs> what was your um, pregnancy like this time? Was it very different from your pregnancy with Hugo? And yeah, talk us through that. Yeah, so it was actually, it was quite different. And um, from the get-go, everyone's like, oh, you must be having a girl because your pregnancy is so different, <laughs> um, which is what everyone says, I'm sure. But I think just when you're running around after a toddler, pregnancy is just so much harder the second time around having mm. to look after a small human like you can't you can't just come home from work and have a nap like like I could the first time around so I did struggle a lot more second time around I was a lot more nauseous from the get-go um I was vomiting from the get-go and I was actually still breastfeeding Hugo when I fell pregnant um but I very quickly weaned him I think I must have only been like 10 weeks pregnant when I weaned him. Um, mm. It was just so painful every time he latched. And he was like a full-blown running around toddler at that point. He was about 17 <laughs> months old. So it was just like we, I was only feeding him morning and night anyway. So we, we kind of just naturally weaned, which I think was mm. the right timing for both of us, which was nice. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I was so touched out. I was like, get off me. <laughs> I feel so sick. And it hurt so much. Yeah. It hurt so much yeah. to feed me. Like, please get off um but yeah. yeah much sicker and for much longer I think I was vomiting up until about 22 weeks this time so mm. very very rough yeah 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 and you obviously had um the store and everything by then so how did you juggle like owning a business running a business doing all the things and like feeling sick in pregnancy and having a toddler to look after and yeah all the things yeah, it was so hard. I um I had luckily talked to my friend about coming to work for me at that point and so she was there um able to pack orders. Um and I just I would like drug up on all the anti nausea drugs in the morning mm -hmm. and I'd kind of have a couple of hours where I felt really good and I could get some work done and then often before I'd pick Hugo up from daycare I would just have a nap. I would like force myself to lie down for thirty minutes. Um, yeah. in the afternoon before getting him and it was kind of the only way I could survive really it was it was hard mm. yeah 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 for sure and talk us through any like birth education or antenatal classes or anything that you decided to do um, in your second pregnancy yeah so we obviously didn't feel like we needed to do any antenatal or anything second time around mm -hmm. um and we just opted out of the group thing, even though we could, probably could have used it to make friends. Um, I think once you've already got yeah. a baby, it's just hard to get to those kinds of things anyway. Mm. Um, mm. So, no, we did nothing. Um, I was totally planning to do the Your Birth Project hypnobirthing course, uh, but this baby came a lot earlier than planned and life got <laughs> really hectic. And I didn't actually get around to yeah. doing it, which I was so gutted about. Yeah, yeah. And talk us through the end of your pregnancy and yeah what um what sort of happened and I just mentioned that you had quite an early labor so talk us through yeah how you were feeling at the end of your pregnancy and yeah. then into your labor and birth story this time cool so we um we had a really interesting end to our pregnancy so all along we had not wanted to find out the gender of the baby and we were very excited to kind of have that surprise and have that moment um we'd booked a birth photographer and I was just like so excited to have that surprise when we were mm -hmm. to give birth. Um, so we had all our regular scans kind of as planned. And then uh, with one of my earlier scans, they found that I had a marginal cord insertion. 
Um, so they were like, okay, we'll need to do another scan at like 30 weeks and just check that that's all like looking okay. Um, and at that point they found that the baby was quite small and they were like, cool, we'll want to do another just like growth scan down the track to check that mm. the baby's growing okay. Um, then towards the end of my pregnancy, we found out that my mother-in-law was really quite sick, um, and Mm. that she might not make it to the birth of the baby. And one of her requests was that she would quite like to know what the gender of the baby was going to be in case she didn't make it to the baby being born. So, um, my midwife was amazing and snuck me in a growth scan slightly early (laughs) so that we could find out the gender of the baby, which was very cool. Um, and I got them to write it down on a little card for us. And, um, Rich and I were not going to find out. We were just going to leave it to her and still keep it as a surprise for us. Uh, but then we decided that we would quite like to share that moment with her and, um, get some input from her on what to name the baby as well, which was very special. Um, and I'm still very glad that we did find out the gender that way with her. It was, it was quite Mm. cool. Um, but of course with that growth scan where we found out the gender, they were like, oh no, this is not looking that great. And this is not looking that great. And I guess like my midwife had prepared me for, because the scans were quite close together. She was like, you kind of have to take this with a grain of salt and they might find something Mm. there that's not really an issue. And I was like, yeah, that's totally fine. Like, I'm not going to get hung up on it. But they were a little bit hung up on it. I was like, oh, no. Mm. Um, So, yeah, we found out the gender. I wasn't too worried about the scan. And then um, a couple of days later, it was Hugo's second birthday and – We'd like had all our friends and family around. Um, My in-laws had COVID, so they didn't come around. Mm -hmm. And um, after everyone had gone, like Rich went out for a run and Hugo was asleep and I went to the toilet and there was a really large amount of blood. Um, So that was terrifying. I was like just sobbing, had no idea what to do at that point. Um, Rich wasn't home, of course. And Mm -hmm. um, I very quickly rung my midwife and she was like, you need to come to Hamilton right now. Uh, so luckily Rich came home not long after and we made our way to Hamilton. We had to drop Hugo off at my parents on the way. Um, and so went to Waikato hospital, got fully assessed. Um, at that point the bleeding had sort of slowed down quite a bit. Uh, and I could still feel the baby kicking on our way over, which was a big relief. Mm. Um, but still, still the panic was there until I got hooked up to the monitor and had everything checked over. Um, So it was about 5 or 6 p.m. at this point, and I'd started having some, like, tightenings. And I was like, oh, okay, this kind of feels like early labor from last time. Mm -hmm. Um, And they checked everything over, and they were like, oh, your cervix is still long. Like, you don't need to worry too much there. Often with bleeding, it can aggravate your uterus and kind of cause some Mm -hmm. tightenings just because it's like irritated. Um, so from there they did, I was only 33 and six at that point. So I was, I think Mm -hmm. just within the cutoff for needing steroids. Um, so they did give me one steroid injection that night, um, and advised that I spend the night, uh, in hospital just to be monitored and then have the steroid injection again, 24 hours later. Um, so yeah, stayed in, had the injection. And then the next night they were like, oh, well, everything's actually looking fine. 
you're very welcome to have the steroid injection and then go home. And I was like, yes, please mm-hmm. get me out of this hospital. <laughs> I was in this yeah. four bedded room with women and, you know, like someone was snoring and <laughs> I just <laughs> did not get any sleep. And I was like, please get me out of here. This is not where I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I did get picked up that night and just before Rich picked me up, he was like, I don't feel very well. And knowing his parents had COVID, he did a COVID test just before coming to pick me up and it was positive. And I was like, oh no. And I was like, well, my throat hurts, but I kind of just assumed that I was feeling unwell. Um, You know, like hospital air conditioning can just make you feel Mm. like you've got a sore throat and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm sure (laughs) it's not, sure it's not COVID. Um, And then my parents had been messaging me and they're like, oh, Hugo's not very well either. Like he was up half the night. (laughs) And and I was just like, oh no. Um, So we got home on the Sunday night and yeah, sure enough, I was COVID positive as well. And it was funny Mm. because on admission to the women's assessment unit on the Saturday night, they did a COVID swab on me and it was negative um, Mm. because they were still at that point of COVID where they were swabbing everyone that came into the hospital. So, yeah, within 24 hours, it was positive, which was so bizarre. Um, So, yeah, rung my midwife and she, like, had to let the hospital know that I'd been COVID positive and just, like, roaming around. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, we we then spent a week in lockdown. Um, and luckily I didn't have any more bleeding or any more issues with the baby, but it certainly prompted me to pack my hospital bag because <laughs> I was like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. I, d- I didn't really know whether that was going to increase my chances of early labor or I guess yeah. kind of what that meant. Like they kind of gave me the steroids and were like, oh, well, the baby's looking great. Like, see you later. And so I just, mm. I guess I had like lots of questions as to what that was going to mean for the rest of my pregnancy, like whether I would need to then birth in the hospital because they did consider it um, an antepartum hemorrhage. And so it was just, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was there was a lot of uncertainty for us at that point, I guess not knowing what birth was going to look like. And I was, yeah. I guess, nervous. I'd put a bit more pressure on myself this time or like I had a higher wish to birth in the birthing unit this mm-hmm. time around, knowing it would likely mm-hmm. be my last birth. So, yeah. From there, we spent a week in lockdown and got pretty crook with COVID. Worst part <laughs> being that I lost all of my taste and was mm. so, so gutting being pregnant and like miserable mm. being sick and not, not being able to taste anything. I was like, this is yeah. awful. Um, and then, yeah, Monday, the Monday after was like our first freedom day for us to all go back to work and Hugo mm-hmm. go back to daycare. And I had another bleed. <laughs> So it was only like a tiny bit and it was, it was probably like not even a teaspoon, maybe a teaspoon. And I rang my midwife and she's like, you know, you have to come over. Like that's the recommendation (laughs) that you come and get checked. And I was like, okay. So this time like packed a bag properly and kind of made my way over and was thinking I'd just like go and be checked out and then sent straight home. Um, and was thinking, oh, you know, thank God I'm, I'm out of COVID isolation um, it should make like going into the hospital and stuff a lot easier, mm-hmm. but in the hospital, they were still treating the COVID isolation as 10 days. So mm-hmm. as soon as I got there, they were like, you know, put an N95 on and like needed to be whisked into this like zipped down plastic room, <laughs> um, and ended up spending the entire night in a delivery suite. Cause it was the only COVID mm-hmm. bed they had available. Um, but again, like the bleeding stopped, they still couldn't really figure out what it was that had caused it. 
Um, the monitoring was all fine, like didn't have any tightenings that time around. Um, but at that point they did decide that they would follow up with me in clinic. So mm-hmm. I think it was a week, two weeks later, I followed up in clinic. They did another scan just to check baby's growth. Um, and she was still on the smaller side. Uh, and they were like, okay, we want to do another scan in two weeks. So that must've been about 36 weeks. Yeah. And then they were going to follow up again at 38 weeks and they were like, okay, if she's still small, then we're going to look at induction to get her out. Mm -hmm. She was never like IUGR small. She was kind of just, um, like small for gestational age. Um, and they were just still a little bit worried about that, I guess with the hemorrhage as well. So yeah, I had that scan and follow up and then I said to them, oh, you know, what do you think about birthing? And they were like, oh, well, we would probably recommend that you would birth at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> but spoke to my midwife and she was like, well, if you don't have any further bleeding and everything's going okay, then as long as you get to 37 weeks, you should be fine to birth in the birthing unit mm-hmm. if you want to, you know, like it's only a short, short drive to the hospital. So I was like, okay, well, that's, that's a relief. Um, so that was still the plan. I felt quite, quite comfortable with that, I guess, um, yeah. like knowing all of the risks with that and um, feeling fine within myself and not having had any further complications. I was quite happy to then go ahead and birth in the birthing unit. Um, so, yeah, from there was seeing my midwife weekly and I got to 37 weeks and she kind of said to me, she was like, oh, would you like to have a stretch and sweep? Um, knowing that I was at like a good gestation and knowing that there was still that risk of them wanting mm. to induce me. Um, so, yeah, she did the stretch and sweep on me. Uh, so I was like 37 and three and... Yeah, she did the stretch and sweep and was like, you're already four to five centimetres. And then with that, obviously, I had a bit of bleeding and she was like, okay, I think you might have a baby in the next 24 hours. Um, You know, go home and sort yourself (laughs) out. Um, I'd actually been in Hamilton. (laughs) I'd been in Hamilton the night before because I'd been at Rebecca Kyle's comedy show. And um, I'd stay a friend in a hotel room and we'd like kind of joked about going into labour at Rebecca's show. And um, I was like, I'm so ready. I'm so ready to catch a baby. And I was like kind of gutted when I didn't go into labor that night. It would have been hilarious. Um, yeah, then I saw the midwife the next morning. <laughs> yeah. So she did the stretch and sweep. And then I was like, oh my God, I might actually have a baby soon. Um, so yeah, it was so nice though, I guess, kind of knowing and having that time to prepare time around after not really getting that last time. Um, so came home and like mm. sorted Hugo. I was so sick of course, like felt like Murphy's law that he was sick and I had to, Mm. um, but yeah, I basically cramped for that whole day on and off. Um, nothing really felt like it was like proper contractions at that point. Um, but I decided to come home and I said to Rich, I was like, I'm going to like put my headphones in and go for a really good walk and just try and keep things moving and going well. Um, and kind of, warned our parents that uh we could be going into labor that day like having a baby that day um I guess for me I still was like oh you know I'm just gonna cramp like this for a few days 
I probably won't have a baby soon, mm-hmm. um, but thought I should probably go and get everything sorted just in case. Um, and yeah, we put Hugo to bed and I just kind of spent the night bouncing on the, on the Swiss ball. And um, I, once he was in bed, I kind of like allowed my body to like go into it a little bit more. It sounds so crazy, but I think your mind Mm. is actually so powerful. And I just relaxed into it, um, kept myself moving, like had a hot shower. For some reason, put my pajamas on, obviously thought I was going to go to bed for the night. And it then got to the point where Rich was like, do you think we need to go to Hamilton? And I was like, well, I was still quite like contracting quite irregularly. There never seemed to be a pattern. Um, I decided against using a contraction timer this time because I didn't really want to put like that pressure on myself to kind of time everything and feel mm. like I needed to be meeting like the contractions within a time frame, you know, like that, yeah. that kind of mental pressure. Um, mm. so yeah, opted against that, but yeah. it's the point where Rich was like, look, I don't really want to have to go to bed and get up. <laughs> Um, we we should kind of just call soon whether we go to Hamilton or not. And I guess for me, I was like, oh, I don't really want to get to the birthing unit, have them turn me away and say that I'm still not progressed enough to be there. Um, but I was like, okay, maybe we should go. Mm. So we um, called my parents to come over from Waihe Beach to look after Hugo. And um, yeah, we made our way to Hamilton. And I'm actually quite glad we went when we did. Um I managed to have a really comfortable car ride over, which I am very grateful for because it is an hour and a half. So if I was in full birth, mm. it wouldn't it wouldn't have been very <laughs> fun. Um, so yeah, I had my teens machine yeah. on and just kind of some music on, and it was quite a nice car ride over actually. Um, so yeah, arranged to meet my <laughs> midwife at the unit. I was thirty seven weeks and yeah, three two or three days at this point. So. Um, I was very excited that I'd made the milestone of being able to birth at the birthing centre and not have to go to the hospital. Um, so, yeah, met her there and I got there and she was like, well, are you running the bath? And I guess for me, I was like, oh, that's quite exciting. Like, mm-hmm. she obviously thinks that I'm progressed enough that she can run the bath. So that was quite a nice, I guess, shift for me men yeah. to, like, be like, oh, you know, I'm going to have a baby soon. Um, so, yeah, got there. Mm-hmm. She did another check and I'm still on <laughs> like five centimeters and I think at that point I was I was like oh you know these contractions and I kind of haven't progressed from where I was at at eight o'clock that morning and it was midnight at this point mm-hmm. um but she did like essentially another stretch and sweep and she was like oh you're still only five centimeters but um your cervix is much stretchier at this point um so she's like it's much easier for me to like move mm-hmm. it and it um, so she did like a really good stretch and sweep at that point. And I would say within 30 minutes, I was, um, as I describe it, roaring. <laughs> so like went into that full blown <laughs> labor. Yeah. 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 And were you using anything like different for pain relief this time round, Or like once you felt like you were in that really deep trenches of yeah. labor, um yeah what were you doing like to get comfortable yeah so I still had the tens machine on at that point um but I did get to the point where it was quite sore quite quickly um but needing to be monitored was a game changer for me so I just was basically on my feet 
the whole time um, on the stall, on hands and knees, really trying to move as much as I could. Um, we hadn't really disused mm. any other pain relief techniques, but I did know that I would quite like to avoid the gas this time, just with how spacey it made me feel. Um, so yeah, mm. I basically got into the shower. That was the first did. Um, I didn't want to get into the bath too soon. Um, because I didn't want it to make me feel, you know, too lightheaded or um, slow things down too much mm-hmm. if I got in too soon. So got into the shower, which was amazing. All the hot water ran out and they couldn't figure out why the hot water had run out. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> so head back <laughs> out of the shower. Um, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, just kept moving around quite a bit. Um, did get to the point where I was, I think I do want to get into the pool. Um and got in there for a bit and then within like 20 minutes decided that I'd quite like to get back out again. Um, I just didn't really feel like it was the right time for me to be in there. And then, yeah, I kept moving around a lot. I found that I had a lot of back pain, which was quite uncomfortable and, and was making the contractions really hideous for me. So um, I'd actually read a post that morning mm-hmm. of going into labor about counter pressure on your lower back and hips. Um, mm-hmm. And I, okay, do you want to try that? And so yeah. Rich was like pressing my hips together at the back each time I'd have action. And it was a game changer for being able to get through those really hard contractions to have that pressure on my back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he was getting exhausted, my midwife would take over with doing that, which was so good. Um, and yeah, got back into the pool eventually. Yeah. And it was, it was not long getting in the second time. I felt pushy. Um, and she was like, yeah, well, if you, if you feel like it, you can just kind of lean it. Um, and I still hadn't, my water still hadn't broken at that point. So I was like, secretly hoping to have an on-call birth <laughs> but but my waters did break <laughs> while I was pushing. um I could it was it was amazing pushing this time I was I was on my knees in the bath and um was actually able to feel her head coming down between my legs um and could feel the bulging of mm. my waters kind of just before her head um and so yeah with one push her waters go and I think it was only about two or three pushes after that. She just basically am flying out. Um, so, yeah, I only pushed after pushing for <laughs> over two hours the first time. Uh, I think it was eight hours of pushing second time. <laughs> so a huge difference for me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, amazing. And did Rich, like, catch her this time or did you catch her? Or, yeah, what did that um, what Yeah, did that so like? I was on my knees with my hands kind of over the edge of the bath and he was on my face. So um, yeah. as soon as I felt my waters pop and could feel her head between my legs, I kind of just, like, had him there and, yeah, managed to deliver her myself, which was very cool, um, and pulled her mm-hmm. down and out and onto my chest straight away, which is incredible. So incredible and like different from your first birth, right? Yeah. Like you obviously um, had the goal of like being at the birth center the first time and like things went a little bit differently, but yeah, just quite like a contrast in terms of the experience this time around. Yeah, huge difference. And like, it's, it's, I think people must have thought I was insane because I truly like manifested every aspect of her birth. Like 
had really thought about what I wanted mm. in terms of a birth this time. Um, I had like birth affirmation cards spread out around the room while I was laboring. We had the dim lights, we had the music, we had the um, diffuser going. Um, and I was, you yeah. know, able to move around heaps more than I managed to avoid using the gas um, and just kind of lent into it all a lot more. And like weirdly, the mm. week that I had her, I just told everyone, I was like, I'm having a baby this week. And everyone's like, you're only seven weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I just have <laughs> this feeling that I'm going to have a baby by the end of the week. And I honestly think everyone thought I was yeah. insane because I hadn't had, apart from those bleeds at 34 weeks, there was nothing at all that gave me any inkling, like no contractions mm -hmm. or anything that made me think I was going to have a baby. But I just, I guess, like, got to 37 weeks and kind of relaxed a little bit about preterm labor and yeah. kind of leant into it and then like fully leant into the actual labor itself and yeah mm. by some will managed to have my dream birth yeah yeah amazing and did you stay in the birth center for long afterwards did you need any stitches this time what did the whole post-birth um 24 hours look like yeah so um I pulled her up into my chest in the pool straight away and stayed in there for a little bit. And then my midwife said to me, um, look, with your bleeds and stuff, we're just having an active third stage, uh, which I did have with Hugo as well. Um, and I was just totally fine with that. I was like, yeah, that's cool. So she got me out of the pool uh, probably within like 15 minutes. And as I was getting out of the pool that they gave me the injection um, to help with getting my mm. center out. Um, just because I was worried about what blood loss might look like for me this time. I did forget to mention I had a small postpartum hemorrhage with Hugo of about 500 mils. So like really on that borderline of whether you'd even call a postpartum hemorrhage. Um, so that combined with mm. the small bleeds I'd had during pregnancy, pretty keen to get me out of the pool and give me that injection straight away and I was stuck that and at that point I was very hot and bothered and quite keen to get out of the pool anyway um so yeah moved on to the bed and gave birth to the placenta and with that she kind of checked me over and I was lucky that I didn't even have a graze this time um Lucia was only five pounds 14 so she was super super tiny which I do think definitely helped with mm. avoiding any stitches or any this time around um <laughs> so yeah very lucky I literally like bounced out of bed and power and washed my hair and like all these things that I didn't really get to do with Hugo because I'd had the stitches I guess felt quite spaced out probably from going into labor and like like a sh kind of going into shock with, with him um and so this time yeah it mm. felt so nice that I just kind of bounced out of bed and felt really great kind of immediately after labor this time um yeah. and I did manage to get her lapped super easily um I had done some antenatal expressing once I got to that 36 mark with her um she didn't my midwife didn't mm. recommend doing it any earlier in case I did trigger more like contractions or bleeding um, so did kind of do it every yeah. night from 36 weeks just to try and really get flowing and just in case I did need to be whisked away as soon as I'd had her, if I did have a bleed, quite conscious of that. Yeah. And just with the troubles I'd had 
breastfeeding Hugo, she was like, oh, the more you can get your hand breasts and kind of practice that expressing, um, that's going to obviously benefit you yeah. as well. So yeah, I did have a little stash of colostrum, um, which we didn't actually need to use at all after having her, which was a relief. Yeah, awesome. And how did you find introducing Hugo to Lucia? And yeah, what did that look like? Did he know, like, do you think he had a good idea of what was coming and like that he knew he was going to have a baby around. What did you do there? Yeah. So we'd act with him about the baby a lot and he knew there was a baby in my tummy. And I think I probably thought mm. he understood more than he did. Um, like he'd just turned mm. two when we had her. Um, and we'd like told him her name. We'd called her Lucia and he basically from the get go called her Bubba Loose. Um, and so we'd talk about Bubba Loose. <laughs> Um, but one thing I did go into labor and my parents were here looking after him is I didn't want them to tell him that we'd had the baby or anything like that. So they did bring him over to Hamilton to the birthing unit to meet her. And, um, they kind of gave us that space to take him in and introduce him to her. Um, it definitely wasn't as cute as I was hoping it was going to be because he was still so sick. (laughs) And um, was just kind of grumpy, I think, mm. annoyed that, like, we were there. And then when he had to leave, it was it was really hard. But um, he was affectionate towards her from the get-go, which was very cute. But, yeah, mm. once we got home, it mm. was, like, making sure that he wasn't, like, overly affectionate. Um, he would try and jump on her or just, like, smother her hugs and kisses, which I'm mm-hmm. sure you can relate to with the age gap yeah. of your babies as well. It's a ride yes. that's <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and how did you go like I know Lucy is about nine months old now so how has your feeding journey um looked this time around yeah it has been like night and day um I'm so lucky mm. that it's gone a bit better this time um I think from the outset I was like I'm just gonna book a lactation consultant appointment I just want to make sure that everything's kind of going well from the get-go um, so I did book in to see one that first week. Um, but yeah, she did feed better. Today. She was a lot more of an alert yeah. baby. And from the outset was like waking every two to three hours in the unit. Um, and mm. I think being prem and being a water birth, she was really, really mucus. Um, so she was a spilly baby from birth, which was a whole new challenge for me to deal with. Um, and yeah, she did like to feed mm. a lot, but I did find that when my milk came in, she could actually be fed and then she would just like power chuck everywhere. Um, whereas my default with Hugo mm. was just to always basically put his mouth and it fixed everything. But for her, it often made things mm. worse because her tummy would get upset or she would end up being, um, so yeah, a whole different set of challenges this time around. But yeah, I did get by the lactation consultant straight away because I still did just have that pain. Um, and yeah, sure enough, she had a tongue tie as well. It wasn't impacting on things mm. as much, but I still thought, oh, we may as well get that sorted while she's young and it kind of doesn't affect them too much when they're babies to get it, lays it off. Um, so yeah, got that de- dealt with when she was a week old and yeah, I, I just was super aware of getting her on the breast as much as possible, um, pumping if I needed to, which I, did, mm. I didn't actually need to um, early on, which was a relief because so much pressure, as you know, with trying to get a breast pump on and amongst 
working with kids mm. um and just kind of took yeah. like um lactation bars and incorporate powders and oats and things into what I was eating and drinking just to make sure I guess that supply stayed yeah awesome and what about like juggling your mum life and your business? And did you take any time off like parental leave or whatever you want to call it from um, from the business? Or yeah, what did that look like for you? Uh, yes and no. So she was born on the 18th of August and all of our monthly bills are due on the 20th of the month. So <laughs> I was that person who had her laptop in the birthing unit um, and was literally like paying voices <laughs> the day after she was born. Um, so so yeah. it didn't really get like that full break. I, um, but yeah, I did I did stay home with her for I think the first week or two and like didn't take her down to work. They had the girls kind of on the floor doing things. But I mean, you know what it's like when it's a business ever really fully mm. get that break. Um, yeah. yeah, so just worked from home kind of in the admin life and around dealing with a baby, um, which to be fair was probably easier with mm. a newborn than it is now because newborns do actually sleep a lot compared to older babies. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I always reflect back on that. I'm like, it is actually like although you're exhausted, it's actually like easier in the daytime with a newborn. Yeah, yeah. I think it was much easier. I mean like to be yeah. fair, she was like a little power baby and only wanted to really be on me. But just basically lived like yeah, on my chest yeah. or in a wrap or in the carrier and yeah she was happy yeah. as as long as she was me yeah awesome and if there was someone listening to this episode who's going to be giving birth soon now that you've done it twice and like had two quite different types of births do you have any advice or like a tip or anything that you can think of that you would say to someone who's feeling a bit anxious about their upcoming birth yeah, I guess um, for me, knowledge is power. Um, really arming yourself mm. with all the types of births, interventions, um, have those birth preferences, but know that so much of it is out of your control. And um, no matter how mm. much you can manifest your dream birth, there are often things that are out of your control, like the size of your baby and the shape of your pelvis and things that can change the position mm. of your baby and all of that kind of thing like meconium in your waters that you absolutely don't prepare for yeah. and think is going to happen to you mm -hmm. um so yeah being yeah. open-minded yourself, doing hypnobirthing if that's for you thinking about what your ideal birth looks like but arming us the knowledge that it's okay if it doesn't go that way and how you can still make mm. your birth a birth even if it doesn't go exactly to plan. Yeah, those are great tips. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for coming on the podcast today. I know that you're a very busy lady, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And I know that there'll be so many people out there who get something really special out of your episode. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining Anna and I on this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it and I look forward to bringing you another episode very soon. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.